opinions expressed in this episode are personal. They do not necessarily reflect the views of this streaming platform. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Let's Be Diverse. I'm your host, Andrew Stout. This episode is dedicated to all my loved ones who have supported me through this journey. Many of our listeners have had days where they have felt helpless, overloaded, and unappreciated. They have turned to people for help, but they were not seen, heard, valued, or understood. Many of us don't have control over certain situations, so our chances of burnout can be amplified. So today, I thought I would take on this subject of burnout uh, to have a better understanding of why these feelings are creeping up on us. Today, I have the privilege of having, as my partner in crime in this conversation, someone who I would call ambitious. Her name is Jill Drader. For two decades, Jill has been working with people, teaching, speaking, and mentoring about recovery, resiliency, healing from traumatic life experiences. She has coached more than 500 startups with her expertise in public speaking, educating them on important topics such as burnout. When I met her, some of the things I noticed was that she was incredibly kind and she just has a way of connecting with people. I know she has a huge heart because even though she has a hectic schedule, she always finds the time to work with her connections. Welcome to the show, Jill. It is an honor and pleasure to have you on today. Thank you, Andrew. You're very, very welcome. How are things going in your world? Good. It's been quite busy. Lots of opportunities presenting themselves and finding more and more joy in myself as the weather gets nicer and nicer. Yes, absolutely. I think we all do. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I know it's been a been a bit since we've been trying to get you on an episode here, so I'm appreciative that you were able to find some time for me this evening. We're going to have a little bit of fun. It sounds good. <laughs> so before we begin, Jill, I always have a fun question to ask my guests to get things going. Are you ready for yours? Okay. So it's a would-you-rather question. So would you rather have whatever you were thinking appear above your head for everyone to see or have absolutely everything you do live live-streamed for everyone to see? Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm going to have to choose how I live. <laughs> Because I don't know that I can keep control of my thoughts oh. all the time. <laughs> I don't know if we all, we can, I, none of us can do that. That's for sure. Okay. <laughs> well, I appreciate you having fun with me, Jill. I, I always have fun with these uh, questions with my guests. I think it's more fun for me sometimes than it is for um, my guests. So thanks for having that fun with me today. So why don't we get this show on the road here, Jill? What I'd like to do to start off is for you to tell us a little bit about you and your story. Okay. Well, my name is Jill Drader, and right now I am putting parts of my past and my story together into a body of work that I am calling Owl Seat. And it's moving from fear to love. It's going through seven universal spiritual principles, seven steps to go from fear, look at your pride and ego have the courage to decide to want to change and make a decision to change, tune in with your intuition, your inner knowing, which is what I call the inner owl, and then go through a process of what you need to let go and surrender. And that is the process of forgiveness, grace, and love. And while that's very spiritual, I also have another program that's more of a leadership program for what you do and how you apply yourself. 
Um, the first one that I mentioned is about going within. And so the Alice program goes from control, which is really just being stuck in fear, to leadership and going through a process of looking at your pride, having the courage, identifying that we are intuition and logic, learning how to balance those, and then figuring out how to transform by co-creating with people on your team or people around you to be a better leader. Such an interesting outlook. And you mentioned one thing that resonated with me was you said control. I firmly believe that a lot of people feel that they're stuck. We're going to be talking about burnout today. And I feel like a lot of people are stuck or they feel like they're stuck in a situation. But I do feel that you are in control of your own destiny and what you want to do. It's just you have to decide what you want to do. And once you start to realize that, then you can do things that are within your control and become happier. So it's interesting that you said control for sure. Yeah, that's an interesting take. I see what you're saying as two things, as being in control, and there's healthy things that we can control. There's things that we align with and that are just ease. It's ease to go into them. And then there's self-control also, being able to control your mind, your emotions. And I think if we don't balance those, then sometimes where we feel we're in control, we can actually be coming from a place of like force, tension, and fear without even knowing it because we're just puppeteering. We're going along with what everybody else said we should do. We're just modeling everything else. But inside us is some burning desire for change. And so looking at that and realizing that maybe what you're trying to be in control of is actually what's the most detrimental for you. That's what I find with working with most people. I've worked with hundreds of people on this through spiritual direction, one-on-one workshops, retreats, And I've been testing this over the last year. And with this, it's been really, really interesting to see how it shows up in so many different ways in different industries for different people. But it all comes down to the bottom line of what are you trying to force? Because you're so afraid to actually try what you think or what you said you should do. Yeah, because we think we're afraid of failure. We're afraid to to try something new or afraid of failure. It's almost like we go to study something in school and we finish it. And then two or three years after finishing and getting a job in that field, when we decide, you know what, I don't really like it. And then people get upset because they say, well, you just spent like four years studying what you wanted to study. And now, you know, you don't like it, but we're allowed to fail. I wouldn't even say fail. We're allowed to try something. We tried it. It didn't work the way that we wanted to. And we're allowed to change our thoughts and minds and decide something different than what we want. You know, yeah, that's an interesting example. And it's more and more common. And I think, I think everything, everything I do with the work I do is about shifting your perspective. So if you think about the pyramid being um, a shape that you can make with your two hands, if you put your fingers together and it's top down, I challenge you to shift it and put your palms together and open your fingers and make it reversed, inversed. And think about how could this be an opportunity? How could you use skills that you learned in that degree and call them transferable? How can you apply past work experience and blend it with what you just studied and then put together something as a position for, I don't know, a defense of of why moving in that direction is a good idea? I think that we have nothing that's um, wasted or failed. I think it's only in the thoughts and belief systems that we've chosen to align with that we tell a story 
that if this and this, then that means failure. And I think that is actually really helpful for groups who want a sense of control. So sometimes we just kind of go with the masses on believing what we believe. But I think we're going to see in the next few years, especially with AI and industry changing, we're going to see a lot that is going to challenge us on like, what was university anyway? Is it a business? Um, Was it necessary? Who decided that that's the pathway to feed into this kind of career? Who decided that those are the exemptions? Why are we teaching memorization in schools and grading them instead of actually applied creative learning and letting students expand? Because everything about the education system that's been set up to feed into universities, desks the way they are to feed into cubicle-like work, I think we're going to be really, really rocked and challenged by that in the next not so long. And I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. I don't fear that. But I think that it's going to really open our eyes to what were we all following and why when those industries and jobs fall away because things change and the markets decided things are changing. Um, how are we going to do with that? Is, are we going to force our opinions on it with our pride and ego? Are we going to put pride and ego at the forefront and fight for what's not working or have the courage to lean into all of this and feel what transformation is ahead of us and how can we be part of co-creating what's good from it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Cheryl, I would love for you to tell us or tell our listeners, um, in your opinion, what does burnout mean to you? Right. So, first of all, I think it's something that we experience. And I don't think it's something that we ever get away from. I believe life events down the road can trigger this, even if we've gotten the tools and skills to get a hold of it now. And it shows up when we are just burnt out. And at the end of our rope, so you think about snuffing a candle out, it's it's done, that flame is not going anymore. You think about driving as far as you can go, and there's no more gas in the tank. That's the end of the road. You think about forcing your way, forcing your way, forcing your way through something and it's just not working and there's no end in sight and you have to surrender and turn around and go all the way back. Those kind of things can cause it as can grief. And I don't think we talk about grief enough in a sense that it's not just when somebody dies. It can be death of a dream. It can be change of career. It can be entering into or leaving a relationship. It can be all of these pieces. And I think we need to be more open to the fact that many faiths have a prescribed rest period. And I think that we push ourselves far too much and we forget to rest, truly rest. So I think people need to find what works for them in terms of rest and prescribe it for themselves often so that when burnout hits, It's not something that you have to do such a drastic turn from. It's something that you've equipped yourself with tools along the way to not get as tired, not get as mentally stressed, not get overwhelmed, not be breathing half breaths because you're constantly late everywhere. I think all of that needs to be encompassed in what I teach with OwlSeek and Knowings is who we are and what we do. And we can't work on one at a time. We have to look at them together. And if something is exhausting us in our, in our spirit, in our soul, because we're not going with what we're hearing our inner voice tell us to do, instead, we're just logic, logic, mind, mind, trying to force something. 
that can cause an exhaustion that we don't even know where it comes from. I think that sometimes you can physically push yourself in terms of exercise, exertion, trying to get too many sports into a week for your kids. Mm -hmm. Or it can be something that if you're not taking care of yourself and you're gaining lots of weight, it can be just as exhausting. And burnout can show up. So I don't think there's one way to define it. I think this is where we truly have to tune into and ask people, but how do you feel? What feels different? Where are you feeling it in your body? What are you feeling is different with your thinking? And that's the part of intuition meets logic that I teach because we're so used to just coming up with the answer. We're, we're a society of people who memorize well, this than this. But if we really tune in, it might give us something else. I love when you said it's something that we never get away from mm. and it's an experience. I just, I love when you said that because I do believe that, you know, it's a sense of, you know, in some cases, like I've been through burnout myself and I felt like, I had a loss of passion and desire and I just, I felt like I was in a hole and I felt like there was no way out of that hole. And it took me some time to realize earlier in the podcast, I was saying that, you know, taking stuff in, into your control, it took me some time to realize that I, I can concentrate on the things that are within my control. And that was kind of something that got me out of it. But it's an experience, like you said, that you always remember and never forget. And you become way more empathetic and compassionate to your situation and other people around you's situation, for sure. Yeah, hopefully. And through working with clients, I sure have identified that sometimes people just walk and fall in the hole and walk and fall in the hole and walk and fall in the hole. And it's this habitual choice to keep doing it over and over until they realize there's a way on another path. And so sometimes we also have to meet people where they're at, not where we want them to be. Because if you're unwilling or another person is unwilling, the work's not going to get done. The recognition's not going to be there. Forcing your idea or how you think it should go on anyone is not really a helpful solution, in my opinion. And... I think that that's the other piece. And this is why I do nature-based therapies. I really found a connection to the forest and even just observing flowers and watching birds. And I found it to be very calming in terms of talking about like the central nervous system and if anxiety onsets, my heart beats like crazy, my head pounds. If I just watch the leaves rustling in the wind on a tree, I can really calm myself down. And I started to use this when I was having a lot of overwhelm and anxiety in my life. My kids were toddlers. I was working on my own businesses and projects. I was on the go all the time. I didn't seek out great mentorship. So I was actually like, quote unquote, working all the time, but like not moving things forward strategically. And it's because I was approaching it from a place of being so burnt out as it was. New mother, not giving myself permission to stop. So the more and more I connected with nature, the more I could identify that it had things to show us. And not everybody can go to therapy. Therapy is something that is a luxury for the rich. If you have benefits or if you have $250 an hour to go to multiple appointments, then you can go. But a lot of people can't afford that. And I wanted to create something that complemented that, that process and that weight and you could access anywhere, anytime. And I thought people can always access nature in some way, shape or form, hopefully. And these principles that are taught 
also teach you to calm your central nervous system and connect differently with nature so that you can always just go out and calm yourself down that self-control piece to be more in control and come back to whatever you need to look at just differently. And so I call this work where this happens, the nest. So if you think about a tree, the nest is in the middle of the tree usually, and it's hidden by all the leaves that grow over it. So I imagine that's the place you have to go within, like fly in like a bird and get to the nest and then just rest there. And think about what you want to turn your energy towards and feel into where you're blocking yourself or you're trying to rush yourself and it's not working. And from there, reflect on what you intend to do or the plan you want to put forward or the idea you want to put forward and see how it feels and then come out and apply it. But we don't always have a place to go to reflect on that. We just go thought, 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 and we forget to feel into it. And so this teaches people that sometimes the path to burnout included not really thinking about what you wanted to do why you're doing it. Is it contributing to a greater goal? Is it the best use of your time? And it connects all of those pieces. So when I built this, I really wanted it to be like life coaching meets career planning and guidance meets spiritual direction meets putting together a functional plan. And that piece in the middle of all those circles overlapping each other, of all the little pieces of it, those are the pieces I think to reflect on for a plan. But you have to tune in to like, how is how I'm living connected to what I'm doing for work, connected to how I feel and what I'm called to do, and that's allowed to change. And then are my days and weeks and months rolled out with that in mind? Hmm. Some amazing, beautiful insights there, Joy. I, I just love everything that you said there. Thank you very much for that. What are some of the challenges of burnout for leaders in a workplace? I would say, I'll think of three. So one would be control, trying to micromanage, force and control the way you think it should go and not listening to maybe an employee who says something like, you know, maybe there's another way or I thought of something that could really streamline this or cut our time or cut our costs. So if people are unwilling to listen to co-create and are stuck in control, I think that's a problem. I think that another problem is that the leadership's completely disconnected from the people doing the work. So there's no force, but there's also no presence. There's just expectation. And so people are just doing, doing, doing parts of something that's being executed. And I mean, these environments can be okay for people who understand and sign up for them. Um, and I'd say another problem is something that I think is for everybody Asking yourself or the person in that role, is this the right role for you? Because I think you'd be surprised how many people go like, no, I hate it. And maybe they're good at it. But if somebody answers with like, no, I hate it, which I've heard, I'm sure you've heard, why are we just going through the motions like hog on a wheel here and pushing, pushing, pushing the same thing every day? I love what you said there, Jill. One of the things that I do notice is that a lot of organizations today, they will take somebody, so they'll approach the employee and they'll say, Jill, you know what? You were such a great worker. You understand all the processes. You know where everything goes. You just know how to handle the job on an everyday basis. We'd like to make you a manager of the department. So it's all set up. You become the manager of the department. 
And then it comes time to you having to deal with employees. So employees that are going through burnout or employees that are having trouble doing tasks and they don't have this knowledge, skills and abilities to train these people or to deal with those people. So I think that many leaders, they just don't have the training. And like I said, when it comes to burnout with themselves or employees, they just don't know how to deal with it. And I think that people are afraid to ask for help. So there are situations where times are going to get tough. And when they get tough, you're going to have to ask for help. And I just feel like today's day and age, people are so afraid to turn to somebody and ask for help because they feel like they are going to look like they're inferior because they're asking for help. Yeah, that brings up two interesting points, like the role and forcing into a role. Now, this is necessary in big outfits where, you know, stay in your lane. And why we say that is it will be a crash if everybody's all over the place. So it works in function if you sign up knowing and agreeing to the role. And I think often that's not communicated or that changes so much that it comes down to misaligned expectations too. And it's unfortunate that it happens so much because it's not the people's faults, so to speak, but it's just that that leadership piece top down hasn't really looked at people and blended people with what's going on and that person. And is it the right fit? I know this came up with many people I spoke to when doing hiring through non-biased softwares, we're putting forward candidates that met the technical skills, but then they'd get them on the team. And this person was hired with this process and it was not a good fit for the team. And it was interesting reflection because here's something that's supposed to solve a problem and be a solution. And it actually creates more problems for more people. And it's not the fault of one side or the other, but it is something we need to look at that the person matters. Connection matters. Being the right fit for something matters. And that goes for anybody because lots of people hide in things that they think are not making them equitable or at the same level. And they don't voice like, hey, maybe I'd want to try that instead of this. And if we had more of that, I think we could have more alignment. Hmm. Yeah, it's such a great point. And, you know, and also, you know, I think about everything you said there. I think about when these processes are coming about, there's always change. And I think that, you know, when you're an organization, you're a leader, we have to understand that, you know, change means teaching. So we have to teach people. You have to teach leaders how to deal with certain situations within their workplace and in the areas. And we have to teach our leaders to understand that these situations are going to arise and what's the best way to recourse to deal with. Right. And this comes down to fear again. People fear change. So people fear leading change sometimes for whatever recourse is going to come from an assumption or belief of people reacting or not accepting it. Um, This is a big culture disruptor. This can lead to people going to default settings of like resistance or disobedience, like just the kind of, in my program, I I call it the word I won't say on here, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like effort, just like not doing it throwing in the towel. Mm-hmm. And when anybody gets to that place, um, that's a dangerous place to be. 
because there's not yep. conscious attention put forward or desire. And mm-hmm. I think that we really need to look at that with leadership. Like are the people here, do they desire to be here? And does it align with the role and does it connect with the people? Mm-hmm. And in changing that, that can be scary, but it can also be a gift if you're open to right. doing something differently. It can be a gift if you're willing to maybe add some new ways of speaking to your language, your vocabulary, to learn how to communicate with somebody else or have more room to express yourself. Totally, totally agree with you 100% on that. So I know that some of the things that inspire you, Jill, uh, are the element of teaching and learning. We were just talking about teaching just before, but now that we know that burnout is something that many organizations know very little about, how do you feel teaching and playing a role in guiding organizations to learn more about burnout? How do you feel about that? I think there's a couple of factors. Like as an organization, company, corporation, it's their responsibility to teach within where to find access to resources. What do your benefits include? What could you access? A lot of companies have really ramped up the coverage for psychology care. And instead of just being able to access one or two appointments, you can, you can get quite a few. And so these are big benefits. I think it's important to identify in a company culture itself what things here could possibly trigger that. I think audits and assessments of people, processes are important. Um, checking in with that and asking, is this where we intended to go? And I think that bringing in outside influences like lunch and learns or speakers or opportunities to give people, you know, you see wellness Wednesdays or something and companies posting about Mm. team members going for a walk together or bringing a potluck lunch together to connect differently. And those are all super important things. And when we feel isolated or alone or like you you gave the reference of falling in a hole. That's, that's a dark place. When we feel like that, we don't want connection. And that's what we need the most. Somebody to go, how are you really doing? Maybe you need half a day for that without penalty. I always think about it like single moms working entry-level jobs, having to deal with daycare and times and subsidies and school times and, and then work. You know, shouldn't have to go, I mean, single parents, I should say. Um, shouldn't have to go, hmm, if I take this half day off, I won't be able to afford the da, da, da And as a result, just push, push more. Mm-hmm. And some people, that works. And for other people, you know, it's cause and effect, cause and effect. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from on that one for sure. You know, I have a couple of friends of mine too that are single moms. And I don't know sometimes how they manage it and try to figure out you know what is best and like you said having to take off a day because especially when you're knowing that you have to take off another day you know maybe a you know down the road or pretty close down the road and then you know to figure out okay well what's best when do I take that day do I take it now do I take it later on I have to take my kid here but then I have to do this later on it's it can be very challenging and it just adds more stress I mean I think yeah, I think that it would definitely affect somebody and have them go through burnout as well because they're like, you know, how am I going to manage all that stuff? Very interesting. So one of the things I read on your website, Owlseek Method, was, and I quote, in all that we do, we have become burnt out. 
and we've forgotten who we really are. Would you elaborate on this for me and our audience? Yeah, you bet. Um, so that's extracted from a bigger context, but it in all that we do, so that's the outside stuff, the doing, 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 doing. We have created these expressions as a society that kind of celebrate being busy. And I believe we need to look at it like filling up a glass of water. And if that glass of water is full to the brim, you're busy. Because you add anything else, it's going to overflow, make a mess. And I believe that we need to consciously pay attention and only fill it three quarters or seven eighths, whatever you want to choose. Um, But have some room at the top for being able to add in some other things. So I think burnout can onset, like I said, with grief, with doing, with actions, with overthinking, with not taking care of our spiritual, our soul selves, exertion to our physical body. There's so many different ways that could contribute to that time it comes. And so, yeah, that's a little bit on that piece. Hmm. I love that. Absolutely love that. If you could use one word to describe yourself, Joe, what word would that be? Curious. Curious? Okay. And why? Because I think one of the most dangerous places we can get to is is having to stand in something we believe and fight for it. I think to be curious why that would onset um, is an important tool. I have an example of this where I do spiritual direction and I do death work, end of life work. And yesterday, a family asked me to go to hospice to visit uh, a family member that's passing soon. And this family group has a different faith than I do. And their faith is, I would describe it as dark and doom and gloom. And while it's extracted from a book I grew up with, the Bible, it's a different application of what I was taught that became my belief system. So I could take one of two paths here. I could force my way and set all these control pieces up to make sure what's in my garden is completely in my control. Or I could kind of surrender that and listen for things that can help me understand my prejudice or my dislike or my bad taste in my mouth about it. And I had that yesterday when asking this person, you know, where are you going? Like, what's on the other side for you? And their explanation was, I sleep and only those who believe in what we believe go to this other new world. Everyone else burns in hell, basically. And that's really far from my belief system because I don't believe only a select special chosen few end up anywhere. And at the same time, I had compassion to accept it and know that that was enough for this person to find contentment in their final days. And I could be okay with it too, that I can accept that and I can be curious about why I'm so against it. I can be curious about why I believe what I believe. I can be curious about wonder, like, is that, could that be true? But I think if I stood in something in absolute, that, that keeps me away from curiosity. I love that. I, I love the way you explain that. and It makes total sense to me. When I wrote down this question to, uh, for this podcast, I thought about the word that I would think uh, through our discussions that we've had talking and the word that I came up for you is illuminating. And the reason why I came up with illuminating for you is because when you speak, I feel like you provide tremendous insight. And I also feel like you always provide clarity and you're always so informative. So that's why I chose illuminating for you. 
Thanks. I love that. I love that. And that's, you know, that's a tribute to teachers I've had who taught me that thing um, that I don't know that, that stay curious um, because there's always more to be illuminated. There's always more insights to consider. Our view can always become more and more. Clear. And I think that we can be informative and illuminating. And that's what I strive to do with Owlseek is to light that up in each person. And by doing that, I can't do anything else with it. Then they take that illumination and they apply it, find their own insights, you know, shine that light and provide more clarity. And that that's really nice. Thank you for that. You're very, very welcome. Jill, I just wanted to say that I've absolutely loved this conversation with you this evening. And I know that connection is a big part of who you are, and it is for me as well. So I think that accountability is so important when it comes to burnout. So thank you for teaching us accountability, passion, and hope today. Thanks, Andrew. Grateful to be here. You're very welcome. Any final thoughts for us today? Just find something in nature that makes you have a sense of awe or contentment today. Just connect with nature in some way. I love that. I love that. On behalf of myself and my guest, Jill, I would like to thank you all for listening today. And until next time, be safe. And remember, if we all work together, we can accomplish anything. You have been listening to Let's Be Diverse with Andrew Stout. To stay up to date with future content, hit subscribe 